When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. I'm here on my own today. Good old Patrick. It's coming up to Paddy's birthday. Um, I won't tell you the exact day, so you can all guess um, in the chat there if you want to. But it's coming up to Paddy's birthday, and he's gone to celebrate tonight. So we've given him the night off. I think he's entitled to that. And uh, as you may tell, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, with Paddy's name being Patrick, St. Patrick's Day. You can probably put two and two together while he was named Patty in the first place. Um, <laughs> so there is that. Uh, there is that as well as the um, as the way his birthday is is around now. But uh, that's not why we're having a podcast. And we should have a podcast on the origins of Patty's name. I think it's I think it's well worth it that we should have a podcast on the origins of Patty's name. But just won't be tonight. Tonight's podcast is going to be a quick preview of Bournemouth versus Aston Villa or Aston Villa versus Bournemouth at the weekend. Um, a match, I think, whereby if any, if there's any Aston Villa player that was there in the opening day, that played in the game in the opening day or was involved in the squad, we want to have that game back. And I think that this is the opportunity. Um, not their finest hour, I would I would go so far as to say. Quite a lot of players in that game, at, uh, at the first game of the season. Complete regime change within the dugout. Uh, complete mindset change as well by the team. We're on an upward trajectory, considering back then things were look like things went south very, very quickly after that game earlier on in the season. And if you aren't, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what game I'm talking about, it was born with two Aston Villa nil on the first game, first day of the season, where we looked so, so, so out of ideas. We had no ideas other than cross the ball into the box, into big, massive, tall defense uh, center halves, and uh, we looked very, very worrying um, in that first game. 
and thankfully uh, I suppose I would expect us to look and to shape up a lot differently um, at the weekend um, actually let me just address a couple of things here first of all yes Ronan has asked here painting yes my lovely wall my wall has now turned a lighter a, a, a lighter shade of claret um, since you guys have been with me last it was annoying me because the white looked dirty behind me and it was annoying me every time I did a podcast. So for anybody who hasn't, who's listening to this in the audio podcast, used to have a, a white background here behind me, photographs and pictures and jerseys on the wall and stuff like that. But I've painted it a kind of a dark red color. So it's now less distracting for me. And I'm actually now sitting directly in the middle of the screen as well, which is a bit different. Um, so, yes, I have been painting over the last and I'm not going to tilt my camera upwards because it's a slapdash job and I need to fix the ceiling. Uh, that's all I'll say on that matter because the ceiling is, uh, yeah, the ceiling, put it this way, I wouldn't pay me to do the job if I was paying me at that stage. So, uh, I don't, back, Bladenator says, did you know St. Patrick was English? I didn't because he was Welsh. St. Patrick is Welsh. Um, he was a Welsh sheep farmer who was, uh, as far as I'm aware, and he came over here and he spread the world. He got rid of the snakes over here in Ireland as well. Um, if you, that's that that's why we celebrate him uh, as well. Um, so I, I'm just looking as well here. I'm just got, got my TV on here as well. I'm after seeing Pedro Gonzalez score an absolute belter, like Naeem esque uh, chip in the uh, Ramsdale from the middle of the field. What a great goal! And I hope if some of you guys haven't seen the piece I did on Pedro Gonzalez. And I'm reliably informed that's how you pronounce his name. Um, this uh, it, you can go, boys can go go back and look at it on YouTube on our YouTube channel. Um, he's a really interesting player, someone we have been linked with and we've been given. Um, there's been a bit of column time devoted to Aston Villa's uh, pursuit of Pedro Gonzalez from um, Porto. Or sorry, Jesus, I get shot for that sporting uh, club de Portugal, um, and not Sporting Lisbon, which uh, I was also nearly shot for by. Um, an Aston Villa fan who's living in Portugal told me, warned me not to call it uh, the Lisbon word um, if I was ever discussing it. But anyway, I'm very tangential today with O'Paddy. I'm off on different tangents all over the place. So um, let's get back on track. Aston Villa play Bournemouth um, at the weekend, a three o'clock kickoff. Um, it's, uh, look, it's it's one, one of the few three o'clock kickoffs I think that we've had Um well, we've actually had a couple of them recently, so it hasn't been so bad, but uh, especially at the start of the season, we didn't have any. It was one of the games myself and Paddy had earmarked to go to, but just things didn't work out to work out how we wanted them to, to be able to get over for this game. Would have been would have been a great game to get over to because, uh, uh, like as I say, a three o'clock kickoff just after St. Patrick's Day, it would have been a, the atmosphere would have been nice. And... Um, you know, Aston Villa being on on that upward trajectory that they're on at the moment, as I say. But Bournemouth would be no slouches. They've they've been very promising in their last two games against top opposition. We all saw what they did against Arsenal. They went up 2-0, ultimately losing 3-2 to the Reese Nelson goal in like the 96th minute. And then they bounced back really well. And Gary O'Neill has, albeit the Bournemouth are in the bottom half or in the, in the relegation zone, should I say, Gary O'Neill's done a really good job. Um He's done a, done a really good job to keep them competitive there. Uh, they've spent a bit of money in January. They've brought in the likes of Zabarnier, um, Owatara, I think is how you pronounce his name. 
um, who's been really good for them there on the wing, giving them a real a real uh, outlet to be able to carry the ball forward. He's been really good. Uh, they brought in the guy Sinesi, uh, brought in Semenyo, um, Hamid Traore as well as somebody that they've brought in. So they brought in a lot of attacking talent and and then bulked it up as well with Zabarnia. Uh, as a centre-half, hasn't played an awful lot, if at all, I think, since he's come into the club. And then Snesse as well there, who scored uh, against Arsenal from a corner. And that's... Uh, I wanted to kind of break down those two games and how what we saw from the from Bournemouth in those two games because, uh, as I say, they're two top teams. They're two teams, Arsenal specifically, top in the league. They couldn't get it over the line to get a point there. But, you know, Liverpool come and, and play them last week and, and Philip Billings scores, who's really been their top, top player this season. Um, he's done a little bit of everything. Um, we know him ourselves being being that anchor at the bottom of of the defend of the the midfield. Now he's playing a small bit further forward, playing behind Solanke, and uh, it's a kind of a predicament that we face, like we did against West Ham last week, where they've moved a Thomas Suchek from playing in that six role up to to playing in the ten, and and it's. Um, it's uh, it, it just gives a different dynamic. Somebody like Philip Billings. Philip Billings is just a big, tall, brutish man, but now he's getting into the box and he's 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 scoring goals. He's their top scorer this season. He's got six goals. Uh, they have Kiefer Moore, who scored against us in the opening day of the season. He's next uh, in the pecking order with four goals. Tavernier has three goals. Dominic Solanke has three goals as well. So there's they've spread around their goals, but Philip Billings is really going to be their main man. He's somebody that we're going to need to marshal and. And we're not going to have Bubakar Kamara, I would imagine. We're not going to have him. Um, so it's uh, it, he is definitely somebody that, as I say, we're going to need to keep uh, an eye on for sure, uh, is Philip Billings. But against Arsenal, they played a 5-4-1. Um, and essentially, literally everybody, the average position for every single player they had was in their own half. They scored a goal in the first, first minute of that game, if you remember. It was Philip Billings uh, scored that goal. And then they scored in like the third, I'm going to say the 30, maybe the 42nd minute or something like that uh, in that game. It was a corner. Sinesi gets his head on it. And then Arsenal come back up the field and party scores. I think it was party scores straight uh, about four or five minutes after that. And then the tide turned really quickly. They made a load of substitutions. I think they made two or uh, they made three or four substitutions in a short space of time after conceding that goal. Looked to kind of compact it again. Conceded the second one, and then obviously Reese Nelson comes off the bench and scores that goal against against uh, 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 in the last in the last kick of the game, I suppose. Really, um, but they had some really good performances in that game. As I mentioned, Billings was very very good there. Otara, um was their main threat carrying the ball. I think he carried it eight times in that game, and it was really a case of he was the only one that was allowed progress the ball by dribbling it by carrying the ball forward kind of like we would have done with Jack Grealish when we were um first up in the Premier League they really relied on him to carry the ball out to give the defense a break um and he did that very well against Arsenal um they played they played five at the back as i said um was it Mepham um Stevens and Sanessi, I think that's who they played at the back. Lloyd Kelly wasn't there, and they played Zamora at left back, and he was, he was, he was gettable. Like they got at Zamora in that game, um, Arsenal did. And I, if he is playing at the weekend, it would be something I would be hoping that uh, that he would be playing because um, while he does get forward a small bit more, 
uh, he leaves space in behind. And if they come to Aston Villa, I think that I think they're going to come for a draw at the weekend because they need to continue to keep get points. We're going to need to get in behind their full backs if they do that. And uh, if they do, if they do, I think they're going to play um, Zamora. If they're going Zamora, if they're going to play five at the back, uh, and that'll be interesting to see what happens there because uh, it'll also be interesting to see what we do from that point of view because that is the area that is the focal area on this team at the moment if there is going to be no Bubakar Kamara I would imagine John McGinn slots in there in that sixth role again not ideal I know for sure um, but if he does uh, and he slots in there uh, that's something that we're just going to have to suck up I think for 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 the game that's in it um, the other side I would imagine Jacob Ramsey will will marshal that with uh, with um, um, with Buendia coming into the team as well, uh, and and look, who's to say he doesn't play Bailey again? I know, uh, like after the game, we were very critical of Bailey. We will continue to be critical of Bailey. I think until we see other things, you know, we can only call, call it as we see it. I know a lot of you guys in the comments afterwards were very critical of Bailey. Um, you know, we're playing with a deck that we need to shuffle at the moment, but we've only got like we've only got a limited amount of cards, and I I don't know whether. Uh, Una Emery is going to pick him at the weekend and it's going to be an interesting team sheet tantrum and the team sheet tantrum I will most likely be doing it from a pub uh, at the weekend so Paddy is going to be minding the house um, for for the podcast for the team sheet tantrum at the weekend and I will be on my jollies um, so it's going to be an interesting one there as well but like the the, the, the difference there is uh, like against Liverpool they had a lot more of the ball against Liverpool they were able to they were to get a lot more passes and the passes were spread out amongst their team um against Liverpool as well. That was one of the big differences. I, I was very surprised at how how dull Liverpool were in midfield. Yes, they got the ball forward. It, Liverpool should have won that game at the at the weekend. Salah hitting the hitting the um the woodwork and uh, they they fashioned some really, really good chances. They just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net at times. Saying that, it's no slight on Bournemouth. They had to defend really well, and they did. They defended very, very well, but they had a lot more ball than I expected them to have. Having seen Arsenal the weekend week before, where Arsenal really dominated the the the, the play there, um, I, I thought that the Liverpool would go and do the same uh, against Bournemouth. That was not to be. Uh, one player I want to I want to bring to I want to talk about as well that they have is Dominic Solanke. Um, obviously they bought him for big money a couple of years ago and he did the business in the championship and he's a bit of a funny fox I'm going to say that because he does some things really well he's actually deceptively good in the air really deceptively good in the air but he is a one man um, he's a, like he gives the ball away in very opportune positions for a, de- a defence to start a counter-attack I look back over their last couple of games when he's when he started, and he's given away the ball the most of any one of their players. Now, obviously, he's isolated quite a lot up top, but it's the positions he gets gives the ball away in. He doesn't protect the ball very well at all, specifically when he's going through the middle. And when he gives away the ball, he gives it away early, early in in, in the the transition of attack, and the te- the rest of the team aren't there. And you can see that it 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 must be very frustrating for a midfield player to have him. Uh, in in the form that he's in at the moment when he is giving the ball away because they don't have time to push up to him to kind of narrow that 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 base of uh, to create a higher block they don't have that time now yes the defense then is going to be more compact if you try and counter attack counter attack against it that way but from an attacking point of view it must almost feel like the likes of um what's his name uh, jefferson jefferson lerma and uh, Joe Rothwell 
and um oh what's the other guy's name what's the other guy's name that is there um i can't remember the other the other uh, central midfielder that they have um his his name will come to me at some stage um no not going to get it uh they they're they, they always have to be standing on the toes of their three centre halves. And obviously the reason that they play three centre halves is so that these guys can move out a small bit further. But when your centre forward gives the ball away almost immediately as he gets it, it can be very, very difficult for you to get set like that. So I would imagine that's going to be something that, uh, that, that Gary O'Neill will look at. Um, potentially in this game, we might see Kiefer Moore come back in. He's fit. Um, we might see that they might go wide a small bit more to Otoara and... Um, it's that guy's name, Anthony, on the other side. Uh, he actually carried the ball. He had the most um, the most dribbles against uh, against Liverpool. He was more of their out and out ball carrier against Liverpool, whereas Otaro was um, uh, the the carrier against Arsenal. So, and, and the interesting what thing was, uh, they swapped sides. Uh, so Anthony actually played on the left, I think, for a good portion of the Liverpool game, and um, and Otaro went went to the right. Uh, for the Liverpool game, whereas he started most of the Arsenal game, if I remember rightly, on the left as well. So the interchangeability there is something that our fullbacks will have to get used to because Matty Cash has been playing really well since he's come back into the team. I would imagine Moreno is going to start at left back. It's almost like Unai is a home left back and an away left back, but I think Moreno will start there specifically if they go... well. Yeah, I'm going to say that Moreno is going to start there because I just think that he trusts him that small bit more. And obviously, we saw him at the weekend against a team that was a good defensive team. He was able to get down that wing and he did ultimately lay that cross in to Ollie Watkins. And we're going to need to have pinpoint crosses at the weekend as well because they're going to have three hulks at the back once more. Ollie Watkins is going to be a busy boy. He's going to be even busier if they play Bailey up top with him because uh, he's going to need to drag more and more people out of the way. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do if if Bailey gets another reprieve and starts in there just because we've got lack of bodies. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't see, and I know a lot of people in the comments. I'm going to get your comments in a moment. I know a lot of people in the comments will be will be calling for John Durant. I, I it would be it would be a how would I put it? It would be a it would be a move from the mean for uh, Unai Emery. I think to start him, but. I think it's probably time to start thinking about giving him more minutes uh, to, see, to, to see what he can do in games, specifically if we're not getting that lightning uh, attack, uh, counter-attack from, from Leon Bailey. Because, you know, if, he's, if the ball is going to continue to break down with him, it's going to be an issue for us going forward uh, as well. Let's take a little look at some of your comments. James Byrne, thank you so much for that. I really, really appreciate it. Supi Marcas is Paddy chairing his Daniel O'Donnell fan club meeting tonight. He is. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's doing. Um, he's glad to see his parents in Dublin tonight. So uh, we gave him the night off. Didn't want to be ruining it as well. Pete Tandy asks, will Carlos get a run out? Interesting one. I wonder, will he? Um, I wonder, will he? I wouldn't bet on it. I, I would imagine that Una Emery is going to want to have somebody. He might get a run out to, to for us to play three at the back if we're up 1-0 in the 86th minute or something like that. But I don't imagine that uh, Una Emery is going to change one of our centre-halves mid-game uh, to give him a run out, if that makes sense. Um, I, 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 it doesn't I, it doesn't strike me as, as, as that that would be something he would do. Um AVFC Stato, great to have you in. Stato says Aston Villa have won three of their last four Premier League games played at 3 p.m. Excellent. That's a great um 
a, a great uh, statistic to have. I saw I saw a statistic actually, Stato. Let me know if I'm right on this one, and you might have put it in the comments already, but Aston Villa have won six games. Did I read it today? Aston Villa have won six games in, at Villa Park this season. Only seven teams in the Premier League have won more at home than Villa. It 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 doesn't feel like we've won even won six games at Villa Park, but it would feel to me that more teams should have won more than six games than uh, uh, at home this season. But I suppose that just goes to show how how much of a gap there is at the, between the top and uh, I suppose from even where we are and the teams below us at this moment in time. Um, so it's 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 an interesting. It's an interesting one. And I also read something about Bournemouth away form as well. That um I think they were like the third worst or the fourth worst uh away team in the Premier League this season. Um so somebody can keep me honest on that as well. Um for sure. Uh, 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 uh. Huka asks, does anybody want Bournemouth to go down mainly because their badges got awful? Um no, I don't want them to go down because their badge is, is awful. I'd actually like them to stay up so that they can improve their stadium and then more people could go to go to Bournemouth away because uh, it's supposed to be a lovely town and they've only got like 11,000 people uh, person stadium. So I'd like them to stay up so that they can improve their stadium. Uh, it's what I'd like them to do. But uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, um, it's some of the, some of the, the badge... Um, options that were given for the new crest, the new Aston Villa crest. I think if one or, one or two of those were selected, I think we might be candidates for relegation based on what the other potentials were. Not the not the final two, but there was some there was some rough ones I saw online anyway. Not not the official ones, but uh, some 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 fan made mock ups. I would I wouldn't have been particularly uh, fond of. So, um, but yes, their badge isn't great for sure. What is what is it again? I had it up there at the start of the podcast. It's like a it's like a woman holding a what's she doing? Oh, a woman heading a ball. Is it? I think that's what it is. Um anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um ba -ba -ba -ba. Uh, where else are we? Um uh got Global Pilot asked me, what are my thoughts on Marcus Edwards at sporting on the wing? Yeah, a uh, former Spurs player and uh, went out to Portugal and I think Spurs actually ate a lot or they, they gave up an awful lot of their buyback clause on him or not their buyback their uh, percentage their transfer um percentage they would get if he sold on to sign Pedro Porro uh the right back that they signed in January as well um I've got to be honest I, I I've only looked at him a small little bit I haven't done any, any real massive study on him but he's fast he's tricky with the ball you know he's he's so it's it's a strange one because um I think he's doing the smart thing in staying on the continent and not coming back at the first drop of a hat to to the Premier League. Um, I don't know if there's been any offers for him or anything like that, but I think it's a smart ploy because he could just as easily come back and be a journeyman Premier League player. Um, but staying out on the continent, he gets to have these great nights with sport uh, with uh, Sporting Club de Portugal and and uh, you know play well into into European competitions. And uh, I think a lot more players should do it. I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of Irish players doing it at the moment, young players doing it at the moment. Um, but he's a good player, all right. I haven't got into the nuts and bolts in him at all, but um, he's certainly making a name for himself out there as well. Um, ba -ba -ba -bum. Where else are we? Uh, oh, James, yeah, James Wood. Oh, how did Phillips get in the squad? I presume that's the England squad. Let's have a little chat about the England squad, actually. Just just give you my thoughts on it there as well. That it's It's... 
This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Um first of all, the nation of England are blessed with countless quality players. Let me get that one out there because when you look through the Irish squad there, my good old friend Jeff Hendrick has been picked at cent- in central midfield again and uh though Finn is as for me. So uh when you guys are talking about, about Calvin Phillips getting into the squad, um I'm envious that even somebody like Calvin Phillips would be considered surplus to reply requirements uh in in uh, in the england squad but um look i think i think gareth southgate knows in, uh, I, I think with international football um it's all about just people who can come in and at three days notice play in a certain system play in a certain way and and it's all about feeling safe with the players that you have so um i think that's why gareth southgate picks the likes of harry Maguire. the big one for me was i don't see the value in picking somebody like ivan tony um i know it's just to have a look at him for down the line, but he's likely going to be banned for the majority of next season. I would imagine he's at least going to get half a year, I would say, um, for for what happened. I think that's really the talking point because, but then again, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they know, like I would imagine Gareth Southgate knows more than, more than any of us about what's going to come down the line with regards to that. Um that conversation that uh, that's been had with the with the FA and, and with Ivan Tony uh, owning up to the point that he he made those bets and that he, he puts his hand up and he says he did it. Um, I, I suppose maybe they're going to be more lenient on him. I don't know, but um, he's obviously in a great run of form and 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 it seems like if if Raheem Sterling was fit, that Tony wouldn't be there and Sterling would be there anyway. Um, I did a piece for for uh, AFC Stato. If you guys haven't seen it, Stato uh, did a great video about Ollie Watkins, and uh, there's a familiar voice on it. Um, I don't know why I don't know why Dale didn't want to put his own voice over, but he asked me if uh, if I would do a bit of a, uh, do do the the audio on it, and I said I would. Uh, but it's really interesting how much of a kind of a crest of a wave Ollie Watkins is on at the moment. It's no surprise to us, obviously. We've all seen it. Um, and we're all delighted and we all hope that it continues to keep on going. But um, I still think he's probably three players further down on the rung uh, of, of an England call-up. And to be honest with you, I know everybody wants to play for England. I know it's great to have Villa players in an England squad, but I want him to be knocking the goals in for Aston Villa um, between now and the end of the season. And I could do with him and the majority of our players, to be honest with you, being back in body more. For the for for the international break, but uh, I can understand that there would be frustration with with the same old same old names being on the the English uh, squad, specifically like when there's uh when there's so many great players out there and uh it's um yeah as I say international football is a cruel beast because ma- managers will just pick players that they know can come in and do exactly what they want them to do at, at two or three days notice and you think that every footballer should be able to do that but. You know, there's always going to be teachers' pets in any squad, and uh, that's why I'm I've been reluctant. I'm reluctant to give out too much about Jeff Hendrick. I just personally think that he's 
like he'll come out and have, probably have a blinder of a game against Latvia now for Ireland or whatever, and I look stupid, but um, it just feels like that there's other guys chomping at the bit there, even within the Ireland, like within the Ireland squad, uh, that could come in there. So, uh, and I think the same is probably being felt by um, by England fans. Like my my big one, like I have no idea how Ben White isn't in that team, and I know that he went home. I know he was he he left the World Cup squad. I have no idea how he isn't in that team because he's by far and away better than a lot of guys that are in that defensive uh, set, like Eric Dyer or Ben White. Once again, you've steady Eddie and Eric Dyer. You've got a better player in Ben White, you know, so uh, there's a lot of kind of discussions. I'd actually love if I had somebody like Bardell or somebody here on with me to discuss this because um, I'd love to get other people's thoughts on it um, uh, on, on the England squad specifically because there is a a wealth of talent there and that this the team feels or the, the the group of players that are are coming through the ranks within England at the moment like say Phil Foden's and even Jack Grealish in there um, and with Harry Kane you know still in form at 30 it feels like it's a group of players like like you should be winning something soon and uh because the the amount of work that the clubs have done to get players to like Saka and all those there's some really, really great players there. And I'd, I'd actually love to do a podcast. I might actually see if I can get people on to do a podcast just to speak solely about um, maybe try and get a Scottish fan, a Welsh fan. Uh, we get Paddy in to do Ireland and we get somebody in to do a, 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 the English uh, English team and we maybe get someone in to do the Northern Irish team. And we just have quite uh, the home nations podcast to discuss the international setups and see what the story is and I can moderate it. That might be a nice thing to do uh, in the future. But anyway, I've gone on too much about that. Back on to Aston Villa and uh, and Bournemouth at the weekend. I think it's going to be a real cagey affair. I still think that Bournemouth, like a point could be worth gold to Bournemouth at the end of the season, given their poor away form. Um, I think they're going to come here for a point, play 5-4-1 again, leave Solanke up top on his own, maybe break with Anthony on the left and break with uh, Otara. Um, I'm, I, I, I pronounce his name wrong the whole time, um, so I do apologise. But I imagine they're going to try and break with pace, try and catch us somewhere along the line there. Big thing is don't get bullied in midfield. We're going to need to move the ball quickly in midfield. And 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 the second thing is, who's going to be that A and other that's going to be up top alongside uh, Ollie Watkins? I think we're going to have to keep uh, keep an eye on that for the team sheet tantrum. And we will be here with the team sheet tantrum at 10 minutes to 2 on Saturday. And um, we will uh, we will be here for every uh, one of those, uh, every, t- every name on the team sheet and try and break them down on both sides. And Paddy will be back for that as well. So... I'm going to leave it at that, guys. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, geez, I, I didn't think I'd, I'd be able to talk for 30 minutes or the bones of 30 minutes um, without having my old mucker with me, Paddy. Uh, but thanks so much, everybody, for watching and for listening. I know we took a couple of deviations on this one, but um, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be a good game at the weekend, I think. And it's a game that Villa should be going out, obviously, to win against Bournemouth because they're below us in the table. But also there should be that added extra bite of avenging what was I think everybody can 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 almost attest to a team that were caught cold and they were caught with sucker punches, two big sucker punches um, on the first day of the season. And um, you know, professional kind of pride should kick in if nothing else at the weekend to try and beat the beat uh, Bournemouth. Not that there's any rivalry or anything like that, but it's uh, you know you want, I think there's a lot of players that want to avenge that because that was a start of a big downward spiral for this team in the first 10 or 11 games of the season before Unai Emery came in. 
So thanks very much, everybody. Really appreciate the time you always give to the podcast. If you know of anybody you think might like the podcast, get them, give us a shout. This one went off relatively free without any um without any technical hitches. I think it was uh, I think it's the new color behind me in the background that's done that. But I really appreciate everything you do for the podcast. We'll see you later. We'll see you on Saturday, should I say, 10 minutes to two. And uh, we'll be back with a team sheet tantrum. And until then, all that's left is... Oh, before I go anywhere, I've been told, actually, before I go, I've been told to give a shout-out to a great man from Wexford, from County Wexford, uh, Michael Jacob, the great Michael Jacob. There, he's la- it's lambing season, and he'll probably be inside in the lamb shed listening to this podcast at some stage. I don't know whether he'll be doing it tonight or whether he'll be doing, the, doing it at 3 a.m. in the morning. And Paddy asked me to give you a good shout-out there, Michael Jacob. Um, so if you're uh, if you are listening to this, <laughs> make sure that you have the gloves on or whatever you need because I think it's going to be cold tonight. You don't want to be stuck in the lemon shed when it's freezing cold like that. But um, anyway, stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.